0: Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing, episode 278, interview with book reviewer Sarah Chorn. It's basically about the
1: business of writing, and they tell you the stuff they wish that someone had told them when they got started as writers. You know, somebody can be a successful marketer and not necessarily provide a quality
0: product. I'm going to let Moses go because he's frothing at the mouth to talk about this one. (laughs) (laughs) I like writing, I like reading, I like to immerse myself in books. So that seems like a pretty good career choice.
1: Oh,
0: you sound terrible. What happened? I'm just kidding. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> and now, constructed on a Zeppelin by an apprentice mage and delivered by a rocket ship to a benevolent dragon, Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishers. <laughs> <sci-fi laughs> <sci-fi laughs> <sci-fi laughs> <sci-fi. laughs>
0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing, your podcast for science fiction and fantasy literature. This is your host, Sean Farrell. Just a quick introduction from me today because Moses brought us a great interview with book reviewer Sarah Chorn. And uh, Sarah's been someone we've been talking to for a while now, wanting to have on the show. Just so happens a couple other podcasts recently snagged her, but we've been talking about it for a while, but it's good to have her on now. Um, and actually, ironically, I do believe this is the first time we've had a book reviewer, a prolific book reviewer on the podcast. So we're thinking about doing more strictly book-related things on the show. Um, I know I'm interested in having maybe a rotating audio book review on the show once a month. That would be a pretty cool thing. So some some things are in the works, but I've been slowed up the last couple of weeks with uh, some work stuff. And then my computer... Just got hammered with viruses and malware. It was bad. Luckily, I have a good friend who knows computers. I really don't. And uh, it took him a while, but he was able to come in and clean everything up. Looks like we're in good shape now, which is why I'm able to finally post this podcast. I was going to post it five, six days ago, but uh, the computer conspired against me. But we're here now, and that's what matters. Uh, This coming Friday, so today is the... 22nd, so in a couple of days. I'm recording the next episode uh, with Moses, and I think Moses is going to be there, but we're doing a roundtable discussion with several guests about the current state of the publishing industry. I think it's going to be a great conversation, something to get you ready for NaNoWriMo, if you're going to participate in NaNoWriMo. So as you get your 50,000 words done on your novel, and then you're finishing that up throughout the rest of the year and into next year, uh, this podcast coming up next time will help you decide what you want to do with that manuscript, how you want to approach trying to sell it or trying to put it out there yourself. Um, So I'm really looking forward to that, uh, and I hope you are as well. This episode is brought to you, or I should say the last episode was brought to you by Lou Anders' novel Thrones and Bones Frostborn. Uh, He's been sponsoring the show for a while. Thank you so much, Lou. If you haven't listened to our interview with Lou a few episodes back, please do. The book's done very well, received a lot of great reviews, And uh, as you probably know already, if you listen to the show, Lou has stepped down from his editorial duties at Pyre to focus full-time on writing and is uh, neck deep in working on the other books in this series. So go to thronesandbones.com. This is middle grade uh, fantasy. As an adult, I read it and uh, enjoyed it as well, and I look forward to reading it to my son soon. So Thrones and Bones, Frostborn by Lou Anders, thronesandbones.com. Uh, If you haven't been to our website for a while, please come check it out. I'm going to post some new reviews today that our staff have written up. So come read the new book reviews. Join us on Facebook and Twitter. If you don't know, every Tuesday we do post an article featuring some of the major releases that are coming out that week. We don't promise that it's exhaustive. Uh, It's not possible for Robert who, who does that article for us to spend the number of hours that would probably be necessary to find every book that's being published. But he always finds at least seven or ten books that are being published that week. Um, So if you're looking for something new, if you've been waiting for something, that's a great article to check out every Tuesday. And we do link that on Facebook and Twitter as well. Um, Okay, so that's about it. Uh, Speaking of NaNoWriMo, if you go to storybundle.com, Kevin J. Anderson put together a great NaNoWriMo bundle. And for just, I think, 15 you can get all 10 books, I think it is. I went ahead and bought it myself. It's great books on writing, on the publishing industry, um, really get you set. And that's going to help set the stage for the conversation that we're going to have uh, in the next podcast as well. All right, uh, let's get into our interview with Sarah. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, I forgot to mention, forgot to mention that we are doing a book giveaway, and I mentioned this in the last episode, but with all my computer issues I was ha- I had, I-, I did a very poor job at really promoting it, so we're going to extend it, and we're giving away two copies of the Kickstarter graphic novel project, project World War Kaiju. Now, if you remember, last summer, Tim uh, interviewed the creators of this project, and they actually sponsored the show as they had their their kickstarter going and that's in episode 215 if you want to go back and listen to that but the the book really is a beautiful book uh that came together very well and if you're if you live in north america and would like a free copy the only thing you have to do the only thing you have to do is uh put something on social media out there that we're giving away a book that's it so if you do it on twitter our uh, handle is aisfp podcast of course, you can find us on Facebook just by coming to adventures and click on the Facebook icon. Or if you search for us on, on Facebook, you'll, we'll come up right away. But uh, participate in that, please, and we'll extend this um, through the end of the month, all right? So two copies up for grabs, North American residents only, or I should say American residents only. And I apologize to our listeners in other countries, but with shipping costs, we we got to keep it down. So this time around... It's uh, American residents only, all right? So good luck to everyone. Now, let's go on to our interview.
1: Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Star Wars Choices of One, and you're listening to Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing. Hi, everyone. This is Moses Sirigar with Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing, and I've got Sarah Chorn on the other line today. So uh, how are you doing, Sarah?
2: I am fantastic. How are you? Uh,
1: Sarah is the the mastermind behind bookwormblues.net, uh, as well as many other, you know, sort of nefarious plots like uh, sp- <laughs> Special Needs and Strange Worlds, which is a, a really incredible column that she she hosts and organizes at um, SF Signal. Um, that's actually um, something I was going to ask you about right off the bat, just as a way of introduction for people who don't know about you. Um, how and, and why did you get involved with writing about Special Needs and Strange Worlds?
2: Uh, it started with a conversation I had with my brother a few years ago, uh, my My oldest brother is very, very disabled, and he's actually the one that got me into science fiction and fantasy reading, and uh, he can't read anymore. He had a horrible seizure, and his body temperature shot up to 108, and it was just awful. We thought he was going to die, and and it fried his brain. So he can't read anymore, but he likes to talk to me about books. And one day we were talking about books, and he, he said to me, I really wish someone would realize that someone like me can be important too. And it got me thinking and I realized there's a lot of disability in the books that we read, but nobody's talking about it. So people like my brother might not even realize that it's there because it's just it's it's just overlooked. Hmm. And so I figured I would I would try to change that. So
1: yeah. how long have you been doing the column now?
2: I did it on my website during the month of May okay. for two years running, and then it's been on SF Signal, I think, for about a year. So, about three years total, maybe give or take a little bit.
1: Well, wow, that's really cool. Um, so you you're you're on the show also. Well, I mean, I guess your your first love in, in the community was was book reviewing, right? Yes. <clears throat> and um, and it turns out you have other. You know, obviously you have some other really cool passions uh, uh, that you've been able to. To work with too, um, so I did want to talk to you quite a bit about book reviewing too. I just think that would be a neat conversation because we talk so much to other writers and you know sometimes we talk to editors and occasionally agents and people like that. Um, but I, I don't think we've talked to too many book reviewers on this show, strangely enough. So um, it'd just be kind of neat to get some of your point of view on um, on on that. Uh, I do want to say too on, on the topic of um, we actually did a show uh, or I did a show on another podcast with Sarah. Um, on Hide and Create, when I was a part of that show, uh, so there were uh, four of us talking to Sarah about writing um, characters with disabilities. So we actually did a whole show on that, it's sort of like a writing excuses type format on, on Hide and Create. So you know, we covered a lot of topics, uh, and you know that show is still going on and continuing to cover some neat topics. But uh, we'll try to put that link in the show notes, and um, that's a, another good place to, to learn more about Sarah. And we had some cool, you know, cool conversation about that, like from the writing point of view as a writer, uh, how do you write? disabled characters how do you consider these things and and uh so that was a, that was a really cool conversation I thought but um
2: it was a lot of fun I enjoyed that quite a bit
1: Nice that's where we learned that uh we both had a, a mutual love of uh, Daryl Gregory's work I think
2: Yes yes <laughs> Yeah he, he's great
1: <laughs> Did you see he won an award today it's like called like it's called like Geffen I think it was like a Israeli award of some type but uh the devil's alphabet one of his earlier books uh just won some kind of award which was cool
2: oh wow i didn't know that that's awesome yeah, he that, deserves that?
1: it yeah absolutely that's that book is uh i love that book and it was out a while ago but it's good that it's still getting some attention um so can you talk about your experience we could start generally i mean as a book reviewer what is this what does this look like you know in your life you're a book reviewer you i saw that you had a goal of reading 150 books this year is that right yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, I saw that on Facebook, I think. So, how does this work? What, what does that look like when it, when you're Sarah Torn? <laughs> like,
2: um, which part of this are you asking about? How do I read so many books in a year? How do I review it? What what part of it would you like me to elaborate on?
1: Well, give me like a typical day in the life of Sarah Torn, oh. <laughs> book reviewer.
2: Um. Well, usually when I'm not recovering from surgery, I'm working, and then I have a, a toddler that I pick up at 2 o'clock. So I work from 5 a.m. to 2 p.m., and then I go get my kid. And so I watch her until my husband comes home at like 7, and then I write a review from 7 to 8, and then at 8 o'clock I go to bed because I have to wake up at 4 a.m. So I, that's pretty much my day, and then I just read all the time. I read while I'm cooking. I read if the TV is on. I read all the time. If I'm sitting down, if there's any possibility of me even getting a paragraph in, I will do so. So my day is pretty much chaos with books thrown in.
1: Wow. Okay, so how many hours a day would you say you you get to read? If you could add it all up. I know it's kind of all in like little pieces everywhere. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Probably like two, two to three maybe on a good day. Sometimes I only get in about one.
1: Okay, so two to three hours a day, and I guess with 150 a year, that's one book for every two-point-something days, so every, yeah. like, every maybe every five days you read a couple books. Is that about it?
2: Yeah, in a week, I have usually pound out two to three books. Sometimes, like like I'm recovering from surgery now, so all I'm doing is reading, and I've been pretty much going through a book a day right now, but on in a typical week, I'll usually – two to three is a good average.
1: You read very quickly then? Yes. And uh, what is that like? How do you how do you read a book then?
2: It just depends on the book. I mean, I I read paper books, like actual book books slower because they're just harder for me to carry around everywhere. Hmm. If it's a Kindle book, I'll usually blow through it really really fast. So, um if publishers send me Kindle books, I'll get their reviews up a lot faster than if it's an actual paper book. Hmm. But um I, I don't know. I just, I just do it. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it comes naturally. It's my superpower.
1: Right. Um. <laughs> do you have any like sort of speed reading thing that you do, or like any maybe any advice, or, uh, you know, like a, a friend of mine, like he, he reads pretty quick, and he was telling me like some stuff the way he does it, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. But is it just that's just how you read, or?
2: Yeah, I think that's just how I read. I used to not read very fast. I don't really have any speed reading skills. I, I think it's just because I read so much I I've gotten a lot faster than I used to be. Um sometimes I'll I'll breeze over some stuff. Like I'm not really big on reading long elaborate battles. I I just I'll blow through them. And that kind of helps depending on the book. But um I don't know. I I think I just practice I'm doing it a lot.
1: Hmm. So um like uh, maybe even some rough percentages about uh, what sort of genre you know, you're typically reading like how much is you know maybe epic fantasy urban fantasy uh, science fiction horror or anything else you might throw in the mix
2: I don't typically read horror uh, almost at all I, I thought genre just doesn't really do it for me um, urban fantasy I or uh, urban fantasy I can always kind of tell when I'm having health issues because uh, I'll I'll go straight to urban fantasy. It's kind of the the popcorn genre. If I just need to turn my mind off, that's what I go to. Um, so, like with my cancer stuff and my surgeries, I've been reading a lot more of that than I expected, but it's still not the most. I used to read a lot of epic fantasy, but I'm <laughs> I'm getting kind of sick of the Western settings. So, I've... Mm-hmm. I, I just, it takes a lot for me to get interested in it anymore, unless it's non Western or there's something really unique about it. I just typically don't pick it up right now. Um, I've been really into science fiction and social sci fi um, recently. Those two seem to be the ones that have been kind of doing it for me. Um, and just, I don't know, fantasy. I guess, as long as it's not western setting kings and queens being overthrown, I'm just so tired of that, <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's that's pretty much what I read. um I try and read everything people send me, but I get a ton, so I, yeah
1: uh it's funny. I think it was oh gosh, it was earlier this week or I guess it was yesterday I was listening to um your, you were on a, a, an SF Signal podcast from last year, and you guys were basically talking about books. But uh, it, it at one point became a discussion about epic fantasy, and, and you were talking about um, Game of Thrones and how that you know you were. <laughs>
2: yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I, listened, I,
1: guess, I, was, I was reading uh, someone. I think I was reading Kenny Sowards' post um, on epic battles uh, on the SF Signal, and then at the bottom it was like you might also like this, and uh, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I you know clicked over, and, and you were there, and started listening to it. And um so yeah I remember that I remember I, and uh you know it was how much does George Martin play into that for you like it was that it sounded like you almost hit, hit kind of a, a wall with that or
2: Yeah I'm I think I'm done with that series right now I it was really good I liked the first 3 and then I just kind of I don't know. Got to this point where I thought I'm just done. I'm just done right now. And it's not that this series is terrible because it's not. And I, I know someday when I get out of my funk like this, I'll revisit it. But I'm just there's, there's been so much, so many unique books presented to me recently that are just absolutely mind blowing, that I'm I'm having a very hard time sitting down with this, you know, European esque. I don't know, setting with this king and all the dresses and people are tittering behind fans. I just am having a hard time. When when like Cameron Hurley's out there and then I have something like that, I, I will go to Cameron Hurley every time because her books are just incredible. Um I I think that's what it is to me. The genre is such a it's so vibrant, and you can use your imagination and create whatever you want. So I'm looking for those authors that are creating the next thing that's going to absolutely blow my mind. And 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 the European thing's been done. It's just not doing it right now.
1: Mm. So, I, I know you're a fan of uh, Mark Lawrence, and do you consider him epic fantasy?
2: Yeah, yeah, I do. I I think he's definitely epic. It's uh, a different sort of epic, but yeah, I would consider him epic.
1: And that's that's an example of a series where even though it well, it's not medieval exactly, but it it feels medieval in some ways, right? Uh, yeah, because it's futuristic, complicated. <laughs>
2: you know? Yeah, um, but it's so like character focused, and the history that he weaves in is really interesting. But it's the it's the character dynamics and the personalities that he creates that really, really gets me with his writing. He just, he's incredible with character building. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, I was going to ask you at some point, like, you know, what, what sort of things you like when you read a book? Like, what are the, what are the facets of, of a book that will really kind of do it for you? You know, the part, well, maybe, you know, like you said, characterization or, or whatever it is. But, um, yeah, do you find there's certain things that you really tend to be drawn toward?
2: With world building, I really like it when authors put all the details in there the things that that you might overlook, like that inevitably when you get different groups of people together, there's going to be some sort of a culture clash and I I really appreciate it, especially when people are creating secondary worlds, when authors put thought into that culture clash, because it is there in all of our societies, and it can be a powerful dynamic in any book. Um, details like that usually really get me. It, with, with characterization, I, I like it. I look for characters that are balanced, which is kind of a reason I struggle with urban fantasy a lot of the time, because a lot of the characters feel like they're, look at how hardcore I am. I am invincible. And all of these things I'm dealing with in this book are just petty details that'll make people laugh. Um, I, I can't do that because that's not life. You have to have a balance between what you're good at and what makes you struggle. And, when an author nails that, the light and the dark of characters in, in a lot of different ways, it usually really gets me because it just feels so very real. I think that's usually what I look for in books is when, not just in characterization, but world building too, when authors balance it with the good and the ugly. Because there is good and ugly, and that's what's going to pull readers in, and that's definitely what gets me. Mm.
1: Are there some genres, you know, or is these subcategories of genres where you, you tend to find that a lot more often than in other genres?
2: No, it just depends on the author, really, or or the book that I'm reading at the time. I You know, I kind of find really good books just about anywhere, which is why I try really hard to read everything that comes across my doorstep or, or lands in my email, because I, I never know... What the next very cool thing is going to be, and and it it kind of surprises me. Like I usually write off urban fantasy; it doesn't interest me. But I I've learned through authors like Alex Bledsoe and his uh, his Tufa books that urban fantasy can be quite amazing. So it's um I don't know. I I try and keep my horizons broad. I don't always succeed, but but really, there's talented people everywhere, and I'm not. I try very hard not to prejudge.
1: Because I've, I've heard things like, uh, it's I don't know, it's almost a stereotype like of science fiction, that sometimes the characters aren't as fleshed out in a lot of science fiction. I've heard that before. You know, I don't know, Do you find that to be true or untrue?
2: It depends on the science fiction, I think. I just finished a book by Peter F. Hamilton. He always tends to really do it for me. Will uh, McIntosh is another one, the social sci-fi. He... He knocks me over. His books are phenomenal, uh, but yeah, it's balanced by by you know shoddy work. But I can say the same thing with fantasy. I can say the same thing with pretty much any genre. Um, I've I personally have found plenty to enjoy in, in science fiction, and I have found plenty to dislike in science fiction. But I can say that about just about anything at this point.
1: So you're doing some things with uh, Ragnarok these days, too. So this is a, uh, you know, a sort of independent sort of, you know, type publishing company that's been doing a lot of cool things. Um, can you tell me about how you got involved with them and what sort of things you've been doing with Ragnarok?
2: Well, I haven't really been doing much, honestly, but I, uh, I've been watching them for a while. I really like the quality of stuff that they, they publish. I like how unique their books are. They seem to have an interesting vision, and I want experience in publishing, so... I uh, I messaged Tim one day and <laughs> said, "So uh, I want to join your team. What do you want to do with me?" And that's pretty much how it started. I kind of uh, swindled my way onto the onto the staff, um, and then I they were gonna set me with uh, Melanie for publicity, and then I was diagnosed with cancer for the third time. So. I pretty much haven't done anything and then like two weeks ago I messaged him again and said, All I'm doing is reading. Why don't you have me slush read for you? So now I've been slush reading for them, which has been fantastic. I've loved every second of it. Wow. I've
1: I've learned a lot. Uh, is it is it different than your own experience having read you know books that people send you this the like, in slush like the slush you're reading and we're talking about for is it for just for blackguards which is the anthology that Ragnarok is doing that where they did the Kickstarter and that was really successful and everything.
2: Yeah, I've done some with that, and I've also read a novel for them, okay. and I think I'm going to keep doing the slush reading because I'm just loving it. But yeah, it's definitely different than reviewing. Um, the I I'm kind of. <laughs> My mind is kind of blown with the stuff that people send publishers. I don't know if uh, if this is typical or not, but I'm kind of amazed by the quality. I, you get anything from absolutely phenomenal to some that the sentences look like they were obviously translated in Google Translate and there's no <laughs> author's name on it. And it's like, what the hell? So it's kind of... It's interesting to me to see the the kind of work that goes through there, but it's also interesting as a reviewer to see this is where it starts, and then by the time it hits me, it's it's a lot different than the raw form that people send in. So it's been quite cool.
1: That's neat. So um, so blackguards again. This is an, an anthology. It's kind of a theme with uh, mercenaries, rogues, and assassins, and that sort of thing. Um, so you've been reading through stories there and I don't know like what what what's uh I want to ask you something about the stories like you know maybe what kind of stories you're getting or um what what you know have you have you have you had a lot of very impressive submissions or uh you know is, it, is that more of just a select few or something like that Well I told I
2: told Tim and Joe the other day I think I'm kind of hard to impress because I read so much um like last year I read just shy of 200 books and I think I'll probably hit that again this year I I read a ton and so it's kind of at this point it's hard to surprise me and it's hard to impress me and um I haven't been overly impressed with too much of them I respect the quality I think a lot of authors have a ton of talent and I'm very excited to see them break through but um there's been only a few that have really really knocked me over and and I don't know if that's normal or if I, it's just cause I read so much, so I'm hard to impress, but
1: yeah, so it's a few out of how many roughly have you read?
2: Uh, let's see, probably 60 ish.
1: All right. So one out of 20, maybe. Yeah.
2: Yeah. About there. And, and the problem is I, the other problem is it's a, it's a themed anthology, you know, like you said, mercenaries and all this stuff. So a lot of the stories are very similar and that's, that kind of gets old, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of the same idea coming through. So yeah, I passed on most of those.
1: You said a minute ago, you said, I want, you wanted experience in publishing, um, before you got in touch with, uh, Tim Marquitz at Ragnarok. Um, Tim and, um, and Joe Martin are the, the head guys there, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, um, why is that? Do you, do you think of, you know, editing or something like that someday?
2: I would love to. I've edited a few things and I absolutely love doing it. Um I didn't think I would love slush reading, but it turns out that I absolutely love it. I think it's fascinating to see the creative work in their, you know, first form like that. Um publicity would be a lot of fun too, but I love publishing. I, I love the books i love the creativity i love surrounding myself by creativity and i i really want to immerse myself in the genre as much as i possibly can so so yeah i mean eventually i would like to move into publishing but i mean so does every other reviewer and there's a ton of us and so i'm, I'm really not holding my breath but hmm. you know my my doing this stuff with ragnarok is it's a uh, been teaching me quite a bit and and i really love being part of it so even if this is as far as i ever go i'll be i'll be pleased with it Hmm.
1: so do you think uh, you're sort of suggesting that uh book reviewers a lot of them maybe see themselves as editors someday is this like uh editor at a a house you know that kind of thing like is that a, a thing that you think a lot of reviewers kind of have as a dream job or something like that
2: oh yeah oh yeah there's I can't even tell you how many conversations I've had with other book reviewers which has ended up with I really want to be an editor or I really want to work in publicity it seems like there's a lot of us that feel like that um and and very few of us actually make it that far but in at the end of the day I I started my website because I love to read and I love to review and doing work with Ragnarok is a lot of fun so I would like to go further, but if this is as far as I get, I'm still kind of living a dream. I'm talking to the people I've admired for years and years, so it's it's pretty cool. Wow.
1: Yeah, you seem very genuinely just stoked about the whole thing. Like, you love, like, I see the way, like, you know, like, every author you interact with, every book you read, like, um, like, you just seem genuinely excited by the whole process. It's, it's I think it's one of these, like, contagious cool things about you you
2: (laughs) (laughs) well i appreciate that i am i am excited about it i i think this this uh i've loved reading my whole life i've always been a bookworm and uh, i never really thought i would enjoy science fiction and fantasy until my brothers made me read it and now i i'm just the creativity involved in it blows me away the the talent that a lot of you authors have is is mind blowing, and and even watching or being part, even a minor part of that creative process is is really cool. Because for me, I mean, I have a, a ton of health issues, and and my life has been kind of one constant roller coaster for years. But but this genre and the authors in it have been there for me, and it's been phenomenal to be part of that, and you guys have gotten me out of myself when I didn't think I could unattach from my problems, and, and that's been a gift. I, I, it's priceless, and I just love being part of that. I don't think people realize how powerful books can be, and I think it's quite cool.
1: Yeah, so you mean reading has helped you to kind of get outside of where you're stuck
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's (laughs) because I mean, in in one way, my life definitely is not as bad as a lot of the lives that I read about. And in another way, it's really kind of when when life seems really dark. It's pretty cool to be able to pick up a book and realize that there's still a lot of art out there. There's still a lot of talent. And there's still a lot of beauty. Despite how bad my life sucks at the time, there's something that I can appreciate and, and and love for what it is. And and that's books for me. That's wonderful. That, so, yeah, I have a ton of enthusiasm and I, I never really want to lose it because I I think the world is a place that makes it easy to lose enthusiasm. And I think that's kind of sad. So there you go. Yeah. There's my soapbox.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what did you read before science fiction and fantasy?
2: A lot of biographies, actually. Wow. I'm into a lot of uh, nonfiction, too. I, I've i done a lot of volunteer work with uh, kids in Africa and, uh, like, putting girls through schools. And, and I did this uh, charity drive when I was in college where I got about 3,000 books, and I shipped them off to schools in Africa so that these kids who were learning could have books to look at. Um, so when I was doing all that, I read a lot of, of books about the countries I was working with and the people affected by what I was trying to do. So,
1: What are um, some of your favorite biographies?
2: There's one on um, Albert Einstein that was released a few years ago that I loved. Uh, there's a book called... Wild Swan's Three Daughters of China which is a story about a grandmother who was a concubine to like a warlord person and then the daughter she had and then the daughter was writing it. So the granddaughter wrote the book and it was this whole thing about this uh experience of going from like feudal China to communist China and it it's uh wow. it's Quite the book, and then there's one on uh, North Korea called Nothing to Envy, which is another one that was absolutely phenomenal. So those are three that I've read recently that have really stuck with me.
1: Well, it sounds like the uh, the Wild Swans. It sounds like one of those Stranger Than Fiction kind of tales, maybe or. Certainly more believable, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> it's uh, it's really emotional, and I have read it twice, and it takes me months to get through it because yeah. it's very very emotionally jarring, but it's definitely worth reading.
1: You, when you said emotionally, you know, it's a very emotional book, that kind of thing. Um, you just kind of sparked something in my head. But when you when you have, how do you feel about uh, about that in in fiction, science fiction and fantasy, um. You know, do you find books that are often arousing emotion for you? Is that something that uh, when it happens it tends to be a good thing or or you know, is it kind of a mixed bag for you or I don't know, how does that work?
2: I like it when authors can make me feel intensely. I like it because it means that they're getting me really into the book that they're writing. Um now if if I'm feeling anger intensely because the book is Making me mad for some reason, then that's that's not as good. But but if I'm feeling intense emotion because author is really drawing me in, that's phenomenal. I love it. I love it when authors can make me cry. That's fantastic. Wow. Um, so yeah, I I like the emotions. I like it. It means that you've succeeded.
1: You um you also beta read for at least some authors. Uh, because uh, i talked to bradley uh bollier recently on another podcast and uh, I, I learned that you had already uh, beta read one of his books that i was you know he sent me the first chapter and like, yeah i read that <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but um th- uh is that uh how and why do you do that is it just like certain people um yeah i don't know what, what's your experience been like with beta reading for authors
2: So I've, I've read beta read for a few authors. I've read for um, Mark Lawrence recently and, and Brad, like you mentioned, and then a few others this year, but those two are my big ones. Um, it hasn't been until recently the authors have started asking me if I want to beta read. Um, and I love doing it. I love doing it because it, it goes back to the slush reading thing. I think it's kind of fascinating to see the evolution of a novel, um, and And it's cool to be able to give an author direct feedback. It's kind of intimidating, but it's cool too. um and it's flattering to think that they care. So there's a lot of that going into it but but yeah, I really enjoy beta reading. It's um writing a book is a definitely a process, and I never really realized until I started actually interacting with authors the way that I do now just how much of a process it is emotionally physically, mentally, and it's it's pretty cool to be part of that.
1: It's really intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And and I don't think a lot of people realize that. Um so I, I definitely appreciate you guys more for all of your effort and I'm really, really glad that my working with beta reading and, and publishing and stuff has educated me about that because i think a lot of people think that you just sit down and pump out a book and then make tons of money and that's definitely not the case i really respect you guys now Mm. not that i didn't before but you know
1: i'm thinking of uh lou anders who you know of course editor and now he's a writer (laughs) i think yeah Uh, i've heard him talk a little bit about almost like being on the other side of the table um you know where his editor you know his agent and and uh and his editor are saying these things about his book and the revisions he went through and um yeah i think uh, i hope i think a lot of our listeners are writers so i think they they probably get that part, but yeah oh yeah it, it's interesting though that yeah it, it there's a lot to it that um a lot of people don't know about you know until you go through that process and it's yeah and it it challenges you deeply personally um to to get that out, you know, to get the best stuff out of you, and and to keep working at it day after day after day, when it takes years sometimes, and, and things like this. And.
2: Well, and then I think how you guys must feel when you get a negative review after you've put all of that effort into your baby, and then released it into the wild. I I think that's got to be kind of soul crushing,
1: at first. <laughs> it's you know, you, you your skin, you definitely get get you have to break in that that hard skin, and it and it's not. For a lot of people, it's not that way at first, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, the the, the, fir- the especially when you first start and you get those harder views, like they sting, you know. But then you think about it and, you know, you, you kind of work it work it out in your mind and you you get back to, to where you were, hopefully. Um, yeah. But, it, yeah, but it's true. And I, I was going to ask you a little bit about, like, when you end up reading a book that you don't particularly like and, and you're reviewing it. Um, how often do you go through with the review and, and, and sort of be honest about what you feel? And how often do you say, oh, I can't do this? Um, you know, what, what do you do when you run into that kind of situation?
2: It kind of depends on the book. Sometimes I'll promise a publisher a review and um, when I do that, I'll review it even if it's a negative one. Uh, I try I, I think negative reviews can get personal a lot, and I try really hard not to do that because even in the worst book, there's something to praise. There's the effort, there's the time, there's, you know, there's a good sentence in there somewhere. You know, there's some quality there that that is wonderful. And I try in the books that I don't like to point that out. And then I try to balance it with, well, this is what didn't work for me. But don't let that stop you because you don't have to agree with me. You should read it and make up your own mind. That's kind of how I try and go about it. But if I don't promise a publisher or an author a review, a lot of the time I won't review it because I don't – sometimes I won't even finish the book because I just get so much in in the mail that I just don't want to waste my time on something I'm not going to enjoy. Um, but, but other times I, I just don't want to – I don't know. I, I don't want to really break someone's heart if I didn't promise them I would, <laughs> if that makes sense. I I don't know. So it, it's kind of a delicate balance. I I try to be really honest even in the reviews for books that I love. There's there's good and bad in everything and and I try hard to point that out.
1: Yeah. It seems like if people know um how you approach this, you know, they know if you review a book and you say you like it that you like it, you know, and that's people are looking for books to read more than they're looking for books not to read, right? So Yeah. It seems like uh Seems like a good way to do it, but uh, yeah, because that is intense. Like that—that's intense that you're in that position of, you know, judging this book, and 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 um, yeah, and like you said, like the authors put all the time into it, and like <laughs> here you are, you know? and you—I mean, it's and you, and you fulfill this role as a reviewer to kind of let the community know, hey, here's what's going on with this book here. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously, you know, obviously you you do care about those people out there to have that kind of <laughs> attitude that you have because. Uh, I don't know, but it's hard. I, I know different reviewers probably handle that a lot, you know, differently, and it's got to be a personal thing. I mean, like, is for me, as a as a reviewer, just even if I write an Amazon review, I, I'm pretty much like you. Like, I won't write a negative review, you know. I, actually, I, I won't write a book unless I I typically don't review a book unless it's a five star review. But that's because I'm a writer and I don't, you know, I just don't. Yeah. Want, I don't want any problems, like you know, and I don't want to. Yeah, I want to I want to be for what I'm for. I want to be positive about what I'm positive about, and that's enough for me. But. I don't know, but you but you got yeah you deal with that on a whole nother level. <laughs>
2: well, I try and approach all art with the with the belief that nothing's perfect, but everything's trying to be. Um, and I what I say isn't fact, and it doesn't go in a Bible. It doesn't. If I like something or dislike something, I don't really care if anyone else likes it or dislikes it. It's and i think that helps me a lot too i'm not trying to i'm not trying to persuade people i'm just putting in this is what i think about what i read on my website and um being able to separate myself from the people who read my reviews like that helps a lot but but also removing the intensity of there's the perfect book out there and i'm looking for it uh, removing that from from reviewing also helps a lot, too, because I, I really do think that there's positive and negative in everything, that the key is to be constructive, not to be a jerk. So I don't know. I don't know. That's that's what I try.
1: Yeah, well, it seems like whatever you're doing is working, because you've got a great, <laughs> great reputation you know, for your reviews and, and for all the things that you do. So, well, um, thank you. Keep that up. But do you have advice for authors who are contacting book reviewers uh, wanting their books reviewed uh, I guess there's yeah I guess they could be traditionally, traditionally published or or independently published but um, yeah I, I'm sure there are plenty of things not to do and plenty, right, yeah. plenty of horror stories but um, I don't know kind of in a nutshell what, what do you what would you say to authors about that and, and what, what are some of the things I don't know maybe there's something that we wouldn't think of I mean, think something we don't we might not know <laughs> about about what your day looks like and, and what it's like to be in your shoes
2: so, I, I get a ton of email, and I don't even know why, but I get a ton of email. And I really, really appreciate the authors who take the time to go on my website and look at my guidelines. So And, like, my name isn't Bob, so don't send me an email saying, Dear Bob, can you read the book that's attached? Because that's not my So, something as simple as getting someone's name right can be really impressive. But if you send me an email and I can tell that you probably read the guidelines on my website, I will be, I will be so much more inclined to take you seriously. I, I, that's just fantastic right there. And most websites will have that. Have something that says, we review this and we don't review this. And this is a format we take it in. It's wonderful. So that's my advice right there. Get their name right. And then read the guidelines.
1: What percentage of submissions that you receive seem to have read the guidelines and and go about it in a professional way?
2: There's a lot of them. Most of the agents and and the authors that I know that are like actual authors who have been tried and true in the author field, they they'll get it right. Um, it's the and I hate to say this, but there's a lot of self-published. Authors that don't have the experience, and I can tell they don't have the experience just because of how their query comes across to me. Um, I I won't review mermaid erotica, so I can stop getting that email, please. You know, <laughs> or like like this guy who thinks he's God keeps wanting me to review the autobiography he wrote, and I just you know stuff like that. I don't understand. I don't get it. So, but. But most of the time, I can tell people are making an effort. It's it's the sometimes I get the weird ones that come through, usually on the weekends, and they're <laughs> quite exciting to me. But but most of the time, I can tell people are giving it the good college try. Hmm. And as long as they try, I'm willing to I'm willing to try.
1: So I want to ask you, um, kind of it's kind of a general question. It, it could go any 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 number of directions, but. Um, I'm wondering, book reviewers, what kinds of sort of ethical conundrums you think that book reviewers find themselves in, and uh, you know maybe how you try to approach those things. There are always areas in any field where there's a little bit of like a kind of a questionable area here or there. Like, is this is this okay? What's this? What's that? And you know, what kind of what kind of weird situations do book reviewers get put in?
2: So a few that I've run into recently, I've started. Well, I've met a few authors face to face and in person. I've, you know, gone to lunch with them or whatever. It's uh, it's awkward for me to review their books now because I know them and I'm I hit this I hit this area where I'm not sure if I can be fair because when I sit there and I picture the look on their face when I when I find something wrong with their baby and I just don't know if I can I don't know. I don't know if that's a problem for everyone or if I'm just too sensitive. Um, the other one that I face a lot is uh, with authors that I really, really love just about everything I've read from them. I feel like I can't review their, their books anymore because I don't know if I can be unbiased with them. Like, Will McIntosh is one of them. I, I love his books so much. I don't think I can review them anymore because I, I think I'm just gonna go in loving it and, and I'm just it's gonna totally color what I read. Um, so I don't know. there's that. And another one that I kind of see by watching people is if they want to get in with a certain publisher, then they'll review all their books and they'll say that they're fantastic mm-hmm. to try and you know make that publisher really like them. So I, I think everyone's gonna face that issue differently, but those are some those are two that I am currently dealing with, and and one that I kind of see a lot by looking at conversations on Twitter and
1: whatever. Wow, well I'm glad I don't have to deal with those. This <laughs> sounds a little little interesting, but uh, um it's it is running a bit late, so I'll let you go pretty soon here. But uh do you? I thought maybe I saw you say something on Facebook one time about um, something you wanted to write or something along those lines. Am I remembering that correctly?
2: Yeah, I'm always dabbling in stuff. I, I'm writing a lot of short stories, I but I don't really I'm, – I'm kind of lacking faith that anything I write will ever be published. So I, I write a lot, and then I just kind of save it and sit on it. But I, I have a few short stories going. I wrote a novel a few years ago, and I, I've rewritten it at least three times. Um, I think I'm on my fourth rewrite right now. So, I, But I've written my whole life, and that's, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, Do <laughs> I would f- like to be published. I don't know if it'll ever happen.
1: Do you feel that reading so much has helped you with your writing?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely helped to see uh, the strengths and the weaknesses of other books, the common pitfalls authors fall into, the things that really impress me. I, I really try hard to uh, put that in what I'm writing. So, yeah, it's it's been a fantastic crash course. I really don't think that you can write as well unless you read, I I hear that a lot. In order to write, you need to read, and I, I really agree with that.
1: Then you, then you get into the writing because you, you write too, and you, you now you know all these things you, sh- you sort of shouldn't do. You don't want to do, and you know all these things you want to do, and then you get to find out that wow, like trying to do all of those at the same time and not <laughs> yeah. and not screw something else up or right. You know, yeah.
2: Why do you think I've rewritten that novel so many times? <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. It's. But I mean. Uh, yeah. I think that's half of it is knowing, what knowing what you want to do. Um. And and the reading helps you with that. And then the other half of it is all the execution. And that's just kind of a craft, right? And you just you work and you rewrite and you do your beta readers and things like that. And yeah. It takes a lot of time to try to get all those elements balanced. Like that. That. That's what I think about. Um. Writing that is that inspires me to want to keep learning this craft is that it, it is such an incredibly delicate balance of so, it's like, I don't know, it's like building something with a million parts. like however many words are in your, in your novel. That's how many parts are in this thing that you're building, you know, and every word, yeah, every and, word has an impact, you know, every single word.
2: Well, and, and that, that's why I think the fact that, like I mentioned earlier, nothing is perfect. I think that kind of makes writing so much fun because nothing is perfect. So there's always a way to make something better. There's always a challenge for yourself or your work or whatever you're doing. And and I think that is what makes art in general a lot of fun for me, very stimulating. It can be incredibly frustrating, but it's a, it's a mental challenge, and those are wonderful.
1: Well, before I let you go, um, since we've got you on the line here, we should ask you for maybe five of the best books you've read over the last six months or anything else, any other books you want to talk about that you're excited about?
2: <laughs> oh, dear God. Um, <laughs> let's see. Okay, After Party by Daryl Gregory. I'll mention that because that one really rocked my world. And uh, and like I said earlier, Will McIntosh is another author. Everything he releases is phenomenal. Um, I finished the Bobby Dollar series by Tad Williams, what, two weeks ago? And that's a, a lot of fun. That one was pretty cool. Um, and, and I read Pretty Little Dead Girls by Mercedes Burnock Yardley. And that one, I think, deserves a ton of attention because it really blew me away.
1: I'm reading, I'm reading that one right now and I I'm I'm completely with you. I'm reading her book and uh Kenny Sower's Rough Magic at the same time, so I'm kind of just, you know, going through them both. And I don't read like Sarah Chorn reads. <laughs> but
2: uh. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's been a lot of really good ones. Uh and I read so much I tend to forget what the crap I read. <laughs> um yeah, this year's been very strong very strong book here. i've been really impressed with the quality of of work i've i think i've given more books five stars this year than i ever have before It, it seems like a lot of publishers have stepped their game up either that or or the authors are getting superbly talented or it's a combination of both but yeah this year's been wonderful
1: I wonder if more people are are writing now. You know maybe indie publishing has opened it up to a lot of people. Um, obviously, i you know i'm I'm writing novels, and I have started you know with independent publishing. and um, I don't know. like I wonder how many people are more people are writing and then there's more competition, and then you've got to write better. And,
2: well, and I think that the internet evens the playing field quite a bit. So a lot of people who who might not have access to the big five will uh, will go their own on their own way, and, you know, that can make quite big waves, like Michael James Sullivan, for example, has really, you know, rocked the world. And he started out as a self-publishing. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting how the Internet's affecting publishing, but I, I think you're right. I think the Internet itself is giving a lot of authors voices when they wouldn't have had one before and it's bringing a lot more talent to my email which i appreciate i
1: think i think literally the internet allows just more information like if you want to learn how to be a good writer there are more forums you can find online there are more websites more articles uh yeah i guess there's more books too but um yeah i mean it's i I was i was writing today and just realizing that if i didn't just if I didn't have the ability to pull up Google in a second and be like, wait a minute, that word I just wanted to use, is that even a <laughs> word or, you know, yeah. like that, that, that sort of, that sort of old, you know, like you realize you're using the, there's so many things that are just right at your fingertips, you know, and, and I think in the old days maybe you had editors who caught your mistakes and, uh, you know, now editors, you hear that a lot of times they don't get that much time to edit anymore, um, although, you know, some houses, you, you'll hear that they do um, a good amount of editing, but... Um, yeah writers writers that's one thing that we, we do have to do now we you know we, we know that we have to deliver a book that is almost ready for publication you know um, and so that is interesting you know and, and I think maybe writers get have to put more effort in and there is more competition you want to do better um, and then uh, yeah, hopefully that that's hopefully everybody wins in the long run on that one you know and I, even with indie publishing I just think it's awesome that there are so many people that get to write books and put them out there and have however many people read it, read it. It's just, it's pretty awesome, you know? And that's why I wish some of the, you know, some of the negative stuff about self publishing versus traditional publishing. Like I still see echoes of that sometimes. And I'm just like, shut up. Like that's just old crap, dude. Look, people are writing books. They're reading books. Enjoy it. Like it's, it's a good thing. I don't know. I'm on my soapbox now. Uh, (laughs) We um, all
2: need a soapbox.
1: (laughs) Well, um, (laughs) Cool. Well, um, I'll give you another chance to say anything else that, that's on your mind. Uh, anything I maybe forgot to ask you or anything else you want to say before we uh, sign off tonight?
2: Oh, I've got nothing. You've, <laughs> you've pretty much covered it. Cool. <laughs> but cool. thank you so much for having me on. It's been a lot of fun to talk to you.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Uh, so bookwormblues.net is Sarah's site. Uh, the Special Needs in Strange Worlds is a column on SF Signal. Um Sarah's on Facebook quite a bit too. Uh you can definitely catch her there. She's fun to chat with over there. She's um, really into cod pieces right now, I think.
2: Um, <laughs> Ornamental cod pieces. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> so um well hey, thanks thank you, and uh hey everybody out there, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Visit Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing for show notes, links, reviews, special guests, videos, and more. Email us at adventures in sci fi publishing at gmail.com. Sound effects from the Free Sounds Project. Music by Asymmetry, found at musically.com. No authors were seriously damaged in the making of this podcast.